Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Sam Chamlin and Anna Wuffenden. Hello, Food and Faith Podcast. Thanks for listening to part two of our series, Ecotones of the Spirit, recorded with Wake Forest School of Divinity. Today's pod is part two of a presentation by Gary Paul Nabhand, who is an agricultural ecologist, ethnobotanist, ecumenical Franciscan brother, MacArthur Genius Grant recipient, and author of Food from the Radical Center. If you missed part one, we encourage you to download it and to subscribe to the pod for the entire Ecotone series. And now part two of our session with Gary Paul Nabhan. Um, so let me just say where we're going to go to next in the uh, time we have left this morning. I'm going to do one little kind of um, parable of trying to bring some of these threads together that we've talked about to, to sort of show how this ecotone of the spirit, the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And then we're going to do sort of a World Cafe uh, uh, style dialogue with one another. Um, and I, I want to um, come back to the idea that, um, and we'll talk about this tomorrow too, but by restoring the land or planning a garden playground or um, being engaged with um, picking up poop at an animal uh, uh, shelter, it's, it's not just about that physical work and what it does to help um, heal a place or clean it up or whatever, but it's, it's also about the social and spiritual benefits and health benefits that we get back from that. And, and just let me tell you one of my wayward stories of how once you start something, other pieces sort of fold into it. It's like it's it's like a good idea. It's like flypaper. It catches other things that are just out there in the wind until it builds a little mound of, of attractions. Uh, maybe flypaper isn't the best example to, to use here. But, but let me just tell you a, a, a story that shows how once you put one of these modest pieces in of a puzzle in place, how other good pieces glom onto it. Um, as I mentioned, I was sort of a burnout activist and, and really suffering from it. Um, uh, sort of insomnia and, and uh, some really tough stuff. I was living in South Tucson working on some social justice issues, sharing a house with my daughter her last year in college, just not sleeping and feeling there was some stuff missing in my life. So when my wife could join me, uh, she had to continue her job up near where Nikki lives, actually almost a mile away from where Nikki lives. Um, and we came down to South, I mean, to Southern Arizona together. We decided to um, uh, get some property for an orchard in a little town of 800. And I had lived in that area 30 years before, and I knew some of the Hispanic families in that community. And about that time, I was at one of my uh, retreats that I think was combined Franciscan Action Network that I've been 
in and out of involved in for years and the ecumenical Franciscans interfaith including Jewish Franciscans which was kind of a delight to see that Franciscan spirituality goes beyond Christians but we had a speaker um, who told about um, a network forming in the Northeast called um, uh, Franciscan um, let me say it right. Um, why am I blanking on this? I've said it a 5,000 times. Um, uh, Earth Care Youth Corps. It's kind of like a tongue twister for those of us have, who have aphasia. So, so um, they had urban kids in the, I think the Syracuse area, inner city kids go out and help start restoring places that had been inadvertent dumps uh, where people would just dump couches or, or other stuff. They, they began tree planting. And they did this uh, through a Franciscan lens. In other words, the kids there were all affiliated with the Catholic Church and they did this as a youth program and got money to just keep kids less vulnerable to gangs and get them involved in some positive outdoor activity. And they were really finding a lot of good benefits from that. So I had just moved to this community where it was really divided. It was almost like two communities simultaneously living in the same space and never talking to each other, really three. It was a Hispanic community, half of them under poverty level, some of them undocumented, and actually two Anglo communities, a bunch of uh, uh, far to the right of Attila the Hun, uh, um, uh, um, I won't tell you. You can guess what party they voted for, but but the point isn't to disparage anyone of any party or any place on the right-left spectrum. To say that they just weren't talking to the Hispanic community, and also there was a, a bunch of uh, people that had been environmental professionals all over the country that chose there because it's kind of the birding capital of the West. We have more kinds of uh, birds, bees, butterflies, and bats, uh, mostly pollinators of any place in the United States. And so I said, you know, why don't we do a program with the kids that break down that compartmentalization? And I actually invited a bunch of the conservative ranchers to a dinner that the kids were the waiters and waitresses and food preps mm -hmm. for. And we raised $10,000 in one night to have this program where the kids would go out with elder ranchers and farmers and help them with tasks that they themselves could no longer do because just about every farmer rancher in our county has fallen off a mule like I have and broken his back or his head or something else. And, they just need help with some of the projects. So tree planting, resowing pastures that have been damaged by floods, building uh, check dams and washes to um, slow down the water and build up soil. We started doing with that. And people who literally had anti-environmentalist bumper stickers on all of a sudden found that their grandkids or kids were doing environmental work they had total buy-in for. And, 
and one rancher came up to me, a Hispanic rancher, and he said, you know, I haven't wanted to tell you, but I'm really not against the environment. I, I've built 1,200 check dams on the ranch that I work on, but I just don't tell anyone about it, but it's my daily practice. I, after my regular chores, I go out and build a check dam, and I got quarter mile and half mile streams running that haven't run for 50 years. But I'm against environmentalists who don't want jobs in our community because all my grandkids have left here. They can't find jobs mm -hmm. with good pay. Yeah. And I'll be pro-mining until you environmentalists show me what these kids are showing us, mm -hmm. that, that they can get summer wages or they can have satisfying jobs doing environmental restoration. So we, first of all, we gave that guy a community award as the best environmentalist of the year, even though he didn't like the word environmentalist. <laughs> that brought all his friends in, and there was not a dry eye in the room when we did that. But then we had his granddaughter in that first program. She had never seen her grandfather's work out on the land. It was sort of a gender thing, like, oh, you throw the grandkids in the pickup truck with you and go out and bounce around on ranch roads. But his granddaughter had never seen that work, and when she finally saw it, she said, Grandpa, why, why didn't you tell me, why did you start all of this stuff? Uh, you never talked about it to us. And he just said, well, why should I talk about it? It's just that the land needed it. The land needed it was the only motivation that he needed to work for three hours after work every year for 15 years building 1,200 chuck dams by himself. That's more work than I've done over my whole life improving the environment. So we said, let's have these guys as mentors for the kids do some intergenerational healing. Now it's six years later, that first cohort's graduated from college and a bunch of them have gone through natural sci resource sciences, forestry and stuff at NAU. They're coming back as supervisors. It's been 136 kids, mm -hmm. mostly Hispanic, some Native American, some undocumented kids mm -hmm. from the other side of the border meeting Anglo kids that they never met before. And they're out on the land five weeks in the summer together, five hours a day, and then two hours a day doing journaling and reading stuff like The Man Who Planted Trees and San County Almanac and stuff like that. And when we have a graduation each year, now this is a little certificate for a five-week course where they're paid $15 an hour to put into a college account for themselves. And then they, if they want to, they can work on for as um, in these restoration projects the rest of the summer on farms and ranches all around us. For, for 26 kids this last summer, 150 parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles who don't have high school or college educations came to their graduation after five weeks to a potluck brought food enough to fill all these tables and then listen to their grandkids and kids do these personal testimonies. They were so proud of what their kids were doing. And all of a sudden that us versus them, environmentalists are outsiders, those of us in the community aren't environmentalist crap, just was blown to smithereens. We've now joined that project up with a new global network called EcoHealthGlobal.org. That's uh, 14 communities around the world, Brazil, New Zealand, 
you know, Rust Belt places in the U.S. and in the U.K., old factory towns, where the inner core of the town is basically decrepit after 150 years of contamination. And people are doing restoration and trying to rebuild this healthy soil microbiome in green spaces that had been turned all the concrete and asphalt, skateboard rinks and, and uh, uh, ice skating arenas walled in and, and uh, uh, gyms, but now outdoor space for the kids. So their parks had basically become paved and, and filled with asphalt and, and cinder and all of that. And people in this network are re-greening those places in urban areas measuring the change in the soil microbiome and then looking at its impact on the health of the kids that are helping with the restoration. They're seeing reductions in asthma, allergies, ADD, Crohn's disease, depression. I could keep on going, but you get the point. 15 to 20 infirmities that are now common in nearly every urban area in the world because of people's lack of contact with nature. They're seeing such a positive benefit that one guy who's head of public health for his county in England said, we've done the numbers and involving our youth and these kinds of restoration projects to regreen our degraded places in the city is a more cost-effective way of improving the health and well-being of our urban residents than building more hospitals. So the, the thing there that I think is important to know is that when we do that kind of work with our hands in the soil, we're inoculating ourselves not only with the healthy microbes, and actually there's some detrimental microbes in here that I might find out about after eating a handful of this this morning, but we also develop the antibodies to, to deal with those if we have regular contact with them. There's a beautiful book about this stuff called Pharmacology by uh, Daphne Miller that if you haven't seen it, it's just gorgeous, and she's coming to see our projects with this or EcoHealth Global Network. But the point is we're also inoculating the kids not just with microbes but with hope. And, and that kind of inoculation is contagious in the best possible way. And so we've started at one end of the morning talking about restoring and restoring and that may seem airy-fairy abstractions uh, at one level, but when you get down to the practice of it, whether you know it or not, you're getting tangible benefits to your physical health, your mental health, and I would argue to your spiritual health too. Yes. And it doesn't matter what faith you are, or whether you even label your faith, whether you're of an indigenous spiritual practice or a, Christian or Jewish or, or whether you're Gnostic or, or uh, atheist, you are being inoculated with health and hope 
and the blessings of creation in a way where the creator and the creation are all the same. And so I, before we go into the World Cafe, I just want to remind you of that whole sweep from restoring, telling us our, a new story about ourselves and communities. Grounding that story in positive action to heal the wounds in our community. And that process is simply a Kickstarter that serves as a catalyst for ways that we begin to restore the health of our community, like the ranchers and the environmentalists finding common ground rather than having us stand off with guns like they did at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon a few years ago. Anyone know French? What does Malheur mean? Look it up. It's really interesting that the, the name of that place where the biggest battle in the last half century between environmentalists and ranchers was named Malheur. What I'm pointing out is that these things have positive benefits that have spillover effects to other parts of our lives. When we get ranchers and environmentalists together in the trenches to um, put rocks into place in a, in a gully to slow the water down, there are spillover effects so that if one of those people has an accident with a chainsaw at their house and calls their neighbor, any neighbor who's been part of that, that neighbor jumps over there rather than abandoning them. That there's all kinds of social interactions that benefit from that initial contact where we get past our ideologies and see each other in a, in a new way as Jesus allowed the fishermen to see each other and them their place that they were living at in a new way. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to download the rest of our Ecotones of the Spirit series and to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on the conversations happening around food, health, and ecological well-being. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plainsong Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep Until. Music is by Paul Diemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.